0: This is part two of the Master's Voice podcast with Zettler Clay Fourth and Reverend Brady Radford, where we are talking about spirituality as a practice of awareness, amongst other things. If you haven't checked out part one yet, do so on SoundCloud and iTunes. You may also find all of the episodes on the Church of the Master's website at cotmatl.com c-o-t-m-a-t-l dot com and now part two
1: if we're honest with ourselves most of most of what we engage in the church we like to engage based off of already having an idea of how it turns out and so i can be faithful to something that i already see the end of and so as long as we get to the end that i saw before we started then i'm good
0: is that is that faith though
1: <laughs> i don't i would argue that that's not faith i would <laughs> argue that that's what we've grown to accept as a definition of faithfulness that we have you know that we have this precon that we have this preconceived idea or notion about how a thing is how a particular thing is supposed to end or go and then we do our best to try to manufacture that and so it's it's more manufactured than it is organic or natural and uh one of one of the thoughts I just had as I was thinking about that this movie, Come Sunday with uh have you heard about No, nah, I have not. So it's the um it's the depiction of Bishop Carlton Pearson's um story. Okay. And how he had a revelation uh, that transformed his theology around inclusiveness and acceptance and having had and enjoyed the level of um authority that was part of that prosperity sanctified holiness movement mm-hmm. it was just powerful to watch him stand by the conviction of this experience that he had even though he knew it was not
0: acceptable by 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 his the dominant culture uh, he yeah by in. The, yeah.
1: the culture that he had existed in for more than 20 years and it says something to me about what it means for us to to hear from God and to know that we have heard and to be willing not just to bet the farm but to stake our whole existence on it. I mm-hmm. mean, because there were several instances where his closest friend, I mean, who's more 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 than more than a brother, said, Hey, Carlton, just go out there and tell the people that you that you made a mistake that you forgot about you can just smooth this over just go out there and say these words and we're all back to good again and and just watching him with the watching, watching him struggle and say I can't do it because I be know that it. I heard from God in this way and mm-hmm. and I think um that excites me and gives me life
0: mm-hmm. um that that takes you have to accept like, the spirit as authority, so to speak, as opposed to um, an external three-dimensional structure or, or whatever this three-dimensional structure teaches you as authority. Like, the spirit has to be authority for you to take an experience and go with it. You have even to have... it goes against everything that you have benefited from.
1: You certainly have to have connection. You have to... If you have had a spiritual experience and church is more than just routine then that spiritual experience becomes the basis for which you interpret everything and it's so important and I imagine this was true for him that if you change your way of interpreting based on that it means that everything you heard before then is, is up for grabs that maybe it wasn't true. And so it's it's like <clears throat> I'm gonna try to put this in a in a metaphor. If you've I remember my pastor when I was in college saying that you could have a personal relationship with, with the Lord and he talked about hearing from God and I was like, man, I don't really know about that. But if, if you say that, if you say that this can really happen, I'm going to take you up on that offer. And I began praying for that kind of encounter and experience that, Lord, I want, and this is my story. So I'm blending in now to say a little bit of my story. I'll make it brief. But Lord, if it's possible to have a personal relationship with you. I want to know that, and I want to experience it. And so my part of my prayer life was about having a distinguishable experience that helps me to know this is more than just my thoughts, mm-hmm. like that, that this is what you're saying to me. And the experience that I had went, went something like this. Um, I was working, It's almost... I was I was deeply depressed when I was in college. I never went to see a counselor, but as a therapist now, I know that I should have long before. This is right after my father died for maybe eight to 10 months. I was just in this deep funk. Mm-hmm. Over the course of that summer, I took four classes. I failed all four classes. My GPA was like .88. And I was on the verge of flunking out of college. And um, <clears throat> I recall just saying to God you know I I need to I need to know that this is real or I need to go and make my house somewhere else like I can I can go back home get a a job I can go find a different school do well you know I can go make my own way right but you know the preacher keeps saying that this is real I want to know right and so help me to see you and to know that this is real and um, I'd end up working at a plasma donation center to kind of pay for the college, pay for my, my summer school. Um, and I was in in my car doing lunch. I was reading a book called How to Be a Man of Character in a World of Compromise. It was based on Proverbs. And so it's just 31 little daily devotions. And i have been praying and in that moment I don't almost say that I heard an audible voice, but every part of me became really clear, for this one second, it's time to leave this job. And my pastor had been asking, come on Brady, I need you to come and work with the youth. We were uh, at a um, at a small church startup, New Church Development in the largest public housing facility in Nashville. It was the Village Church. Andrew Stevens was the pastor there. He's now pastor at Radcliffe. And um, and I was like, no, nah, Doc, I can't come work with the church. I got to pay these bills. You know, I got to mm-hmm. do what I got to do to mm-hmm. survive. But that day, sitting in the um, 93 Honda Civic, and clearer than anything I've ever known or understood before, it was like, okay, now it's time to leave this job. Hmm. And... And I was enjoying like some privileges on this job. I'd only been there for like two two months. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd only been there for like four months and I had two more months to go until, um, no, I'd been there for almost six months, had two more weeks to go until I hit a six month mark which was gonna give me a scholarship reimbursement, a $2,000 scholarship reimbursement to pay off school. And so, and now that I think about it, it was almost kind of like a wave. You know, the wave comes and then the wave goes. So that, Timing. You got to
0: get on that wave then.
1: So that clarity came. It's like, yeah. it's time to leave this job. And I went back in after lunch um, break, and I was like, no, nah, I can't do it. I was like, I just need two more weeks. Like, I need these two weeks to get this $2,000 scholarship <laughs> reimbursement. That was on a Wednesday. <clears throat> I didn't say anything to management. Came back, was reading the book again on Thursday still the same clarity, like like bigger than anything I've ever felt before, stronger than anything I've ever understood before. Like there was this moment of clarity about leaving this job, but it just did not make sense because I needed these $2,000. Um, <clears throat> and I all day struggled with it on Thursday and Friday morning, by the time I walked to the office, it's almost like without being able to control myself, I just walked into the manager's office and I said, hey, you know, I'm putting in my two weeks notice. And it took everybody by surprise. I mean, they were wondering, like, hey, what can we do? What can we fix? You know, I, we can rearrange this. You know, this has been going great. I was like, yeah, I know it's been going great, but um, it's time for me to go and work with the church. It's like, well, what are you going to do? It's like, I don't know. It's just time for me to go. Like, but Brady, you got to pay for college. I said, I know, but it's time for me to go. And um, uh, I'm going to work with the youth at the church, and um, it's important for you to know that you know God's timing is God's timing, and, and and people don't always have to line up on God's timing, mm-hmm. because I left work that day and drove over to the church, or rushed over to the church to tell the pastor that I made this decision, and it was almost as flippant as ever. Like he was sitting in the room reading the Bible with my twin brother, and I walked in. I was like, "Hey, Doc, I, I, I'm leaving a job. You know, I'm, I'm coming to work to church." And, he, and gotten, he had gotten to college. Like, "Yeah, Brady, I, I'll talk to you later. Got to go." And just rushed out. And I was like, "Man, what? Right? Like, I need <laughs> I the heavens to see. open up. I need <laughs> some roses to bloom. I need something." And That's so, um, yeah. but as I look back on that story, and, I, and I, again, shaping my narrative. It was important for me to recognize that this is what God was doing in my life, and um, while my pastor was certainly a part of that, in that moment, him responding the way that I thought he should respond didn't dictate whether or not this was true. You
0: still knew when he responded that at the time that you had made the right decision? Yeah,
1: yeah, so it it didn't cause me to question, it just... It was a shocker because again, I think part of my preconceived idea was that hey, when I make this decision, everything needs to go right from here right and that wasn't that's the case. Not that's how not how hopes. faith works, right? right so um so quickly I'll take you through the rest of the story. So now I'm without now I've said I placed a limit on the end of the job and um I' had a phone number in my wallet for the last eight weeks. Um, a friend of mine giving it to me it's called the academic common market basically the principle is if you go to an institution that's out of state for a major that's not offered in your state you get to go as an in-state student and um, i would had um, this document in my wallet for all these weeks I've been calling all times of day morning noon and night couldn't get a voicemail never got a pickup I mean like just nothing and literally, I'm riding down Clarksville Highway in Nashville, and this is kind of a bold moment. But having heard from, from God and, and since the Spirit's presence in the way that I did that Wednesday, I said, God, I'm willing to trust that if I call this number one more time and I don't get an answer, then this is not the resource. Like, I'm going to litter. I'm going to throw it out the window. I'm going to throw it out the window so I don't even reach for it again. Like, if I don't get an answer this time, I'm willing to accept this is not it. And, man, after calling eight weeks, all day, all different times a day, that's the one time I called that phone number and somebody picked up. Hmm. I mean, I called that number more than 50 times, not exaggerating, and I called that number driving down Clarksville Highway, and the woman picked up and I says, voice of my angel, her name was Cynthia J. And I was like, hello ma'am, my name is Brady Raffin, architecture, engineering, student Teacher." And, she, and I just was trying to run it all off Start to her because I did not know when this call was going to end. And she, she said, slow down. She said, slow down, honey. Here's what I need you to do. And I, I need to send her my driver's license, fill out a one-page application and send her a few things from my mother. And in that moment, I went from worrying about how I was gonna pay the school $13,000 to having $10,000 of that slashed off. Hmm. And so when I look back over that story, I think about how I was getting ready to sustain a system that had me struggling to figure out how I was gonna pay $13,000 and trusting this voice trusting this this completely overwhelming sense of knowing and awareness uh, led me to a place of, of being able to, to, to trust God and walk with God in this encounter that the, I remember the day I went to the mailbox and got this academic coming market certificate to take to the school and I was like God I'm your man 50 grand like mm-hmm. whatever you need me to mm-hmm. do
0: I'm I'm willing to trust. Can you reach that point without without hitting a bottom of sorts?
1: I think you can. Um, I don't think the bottom is a prerequisite. Um, you know.
0: But why does it take a bottom for a lot of us to get to that point? Because I guess you're free of distractions, so to speak. It's the pain is so acute that you have no choice but to focus in on a certain. Um, you know to, to a certain point that you know you want that pain to go away it's like so yeah face-to-face I, I face with the source so to speak
1: I think while it's part of my process I'm not able to say that it's part of it's a prerequisite for everyone's process right because some of us are harder of hearing And uh, I'm not ashamed to say I've been one of those, you know. (laughs) Some of us are
0: headed, that's for
1: sure. I I think about James Weldon Johnson who says, you know, son, your arms are too long to box with God. Right. Uh, But many of us have attempted. And, you know, for most preachers back in Arkansas, they would say, oh, he's running from the the Lord. He's running. And I say, if you're running, keep running. If if you're running, keep running Mm because you can't outrun God. And so whenever the moment gets right, I'm, I am willing to trust the process. While hitting rock bottom doesn't have to be a part of everybody's process. I would say in some cases, that's my response. If you're running from it, keep running. Keep running. Cause I know beyond a shadow of doubt, you can't outrun God. And when the time gets run, when the time gets right, either you'll stop running or God will get
0: your attention some other way. Um, before we go, I just got one more question to ask. Um, just kind of just just thought about it. Um, what's the difference between a spiritual encounter and an encounter? Is every encounter spiritual? If you choose to look at it that way.
1: This is why self awareness is so important. Um I think I think it's our interpretation, but Some of us sometimes we can get so wrapped up in our minds that our interpretation, you know, holds little water, if you will. And so, this is also why it has to be a regular has has to be a regular practice, because you know, reviewing one's life can't be something that's done periodically because we are changing. And it's this interesting. Reality. So the thing that's changing and the thing that's observing the change can always be the same. Hmm. You know, um, you know. It's it's kind of like yeah. There's no way to get true observation if the thing that's changing and the thing that's observing the change are it's changing the at the same, same time. time. Right. You know. And so, you know, physics teaches us that. Yeah. Think uh, Einstein. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the theory of relativity so yeah,
0: yeah.
1: and I, what I find to be the case is that most of the times we're not taking into account our own changes like we're willing to assess every other thing observe every other thing but we're not so comfortable observing ourselves mm-hmm. and so you, it takes a lot of intentionality and um, and practice in time to get into that space of um, being honest and aware of self, you know. Um, and it takes being able to to pull together different streams of noise. So it's not just my voice, but it's also the people in my life who reflect it back to me. Mm-hmm. People I trust. The
0: community. Yeah.
1: And your community has to be strong enough to handle your truth I mean, in order for it to become trusting. And so people that who, with whom I'm able to be vulnerable and share the full story and be willing to hear their feedback because I know it's coming from a, a, a place of concern and care for me.
0: What happens when the community isn't strong enough to hear your truth or are not willing to bear witness? Is this where ascetics and hermits and are derived from? Do or do you go find another community? I mean, what do you do when you come to that point? I
1: think it could be either or both of those, you know, um, I, I definitely I think we were made to be in community, you know, and that's why I'm not willing to cast the uh, the mystics and the ascetics off. I think they're just a, a different form of community with us. But to be outside of community is the definition of insanity, mm. right? The reason that we label people crazy mm. is because we say there's nobody like that. Yeah. But yeah. the moment that they have somebody who sees them who understands them who speaks their language they're in community and it's a poor way of looking at it but I remember um, my one of my seminary professors you know basically articulating that that's the way we have othered people but when the other finds the other and if they're good building the community where they're at mm-hmm. then they don't necessarily have to worry about gaining right. admittance into your right. community because they, they, they got it
0: they gotta they got a witness they, they yeah two or more gathered yeah that's
1: that's perfect that's exact that's exact articulation where two or more are gathered there I'll be with you also and so if you're in a place where and I'll tell you I've been in that place um, and it really wasn't until I was in seminary I was my first year sitting in a class with uh, at that time Dr. Willie Goodman um, and him talking about what pastoral counseling and pastoral care was all about
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was like I saw the heavens open up I was like man now life finally makes sense to me like this is how I've been thinking about things forever and part of my experience back in Nashville being at the, at, at the village I remember a sister looking in my face and saying to me Brady you're thinking about things too much like you, you, you are trying to pull it apart too much and like that just doesn't make sense and I felt out of community at one point in, in that way and it wasn't until I was sitting in that class and I was like man I could have I could have jumped up out of that class and ran 50 miles just thinking about like somebody actually like does this like I found community yeah, and that was, that was an amazing feeling for me uh, it was affirming it was validating and it it gave me hope for continuing down the path that felt natural for me that's really what i would say and i think i think in this whole business of um, having a spiritual discipline around self-awareness that we're we're trying to find the language that speaks to our experience with god and we're trying to then discover where there are I'm gonna create a word here, where there are intralingual experiences. Okay, Right.
0: yeah, yeah. Um,
1: where, you know, they say Spanish and Portuguese are not the same language, but they share a lot of commonalities, mm-hmm. right? So when we discover the language that expresses our spiritual experience, as we begin to talk about that, and not mirror somebody else's way, but talk about it in our own experience, there will be places where the language overlaps. And where the language overlaps are points of connectivity whereby we find strength and power in each other's story. And so I think, yeah, I'll stop right there, but one of the greatest tragedies of the church is sometimes we make people believe that they should fake it till they make it. And we don't make room for them and their stories wherever they are right now. And people faking it until they make it that philosophy has created chaos in the church in many ways i would say and um and that's another form of people i'm watching your story and figuring if i do what you do it will be best for me and that's not always the case